Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our passage for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So here are these words. Now these are the commandments, the regulations, and the case laws that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you to follow and the land you are entering to possess, so that you will fear the Lord your God by keeping all his regulations and his commandments that I am commanding to you, both you and your sons and daughters, all the days of your life, and so that you will lengthen your life. Listen to them, Israel. Follow them carefully so that things will go well for you and so that you will continue to multiply exactly as the Lord, your ancestors' God, promised you in a land full of milk and honey. Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about. When you are lying down and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gates. Now, once the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you, a land that will be full of large and wonderful towns that you didn't build, houses stocked with all kinds of goods that you didn't stock, cisterns that you didn't make, vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant, And you eat and get stuffed. Watch yourself. Don't forget the Lord. The Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What's next? What's next? I'm a fan of the TV show The West Wing. And while it was on TV like 20 years ago, um, it's on Netflix and streaming. And so people can watch it and kind of be re-exposed to this uh, world of President Bartlett and his administration. And this question, what's next? is uh, a line that's often repeated in the show. Whenever they have finished some sort of uh, 
uh, kind of political achievement that they've been working really hard to accomplish, they say, okay, what's next? We checked that off the list, but what's the next thing to do? Sometimes they ask this question when they have experienced defeat. They worked really hard to make a difference, to pass a bill, to make some sort of achievement, lasting legacy, if you will, and they were defeated. It failed, it didn't work out. Well, that's not the end, so what's next? This question, it kind of helps motivate the staff, motivate the, the characters on the TV show to continue to, uh, to strive and to do the next thing. It's also a clever plot device to help move you along to the next episode. Lin-Manuel Miranda, you may know him as the creator of Hamilton the Musical, he is a West Wing superfan. And so he used this phrase, what's next, in one of his songs, what comes next, with King George. And so King George is singing and dancing after the Battle of Yorktown. And he asks them, what comes next? You've been freed. Don't you know how hard it is to lead? You're on your own. Awesome. Wow. Do you have a clue what happens now? What's next? It's a question that often comes up in times of transition. People retire from their jobs. And people go, well, what are you going to do now? What's next? People sell their homes. What's next? Where are you moving? Seniors, this year, have you been asked, where are you going to school? What's next? What are you going to do after you graduate? Have you heard that question just once? Yeah, just once, I'm sure. Nobody, nobody asked that, you know, to you multiple times. Parents, have you wondered what's next? What's next for your students, for your children? right? That question, what's next, it brings about excitement. And there's joy and there's anticipation. And maybe there's also a little fear and trepidation and nervousness. So I'm pregnant. And if you didn't know, and uh, <laughs> sure, you can clap for that. Um, um, and, you know, I know that there will be a baby but I have absolutely no idea what comes next, right? I don't know what that child will be. I don't know what that child will look like. I don't know um, her personality or what she will become. It's all a mystery. And those of you that are parents in the room, you're like, oh, we can tell you what's next. We can fill you in, whether you want to know that or not, right? But even everybody's parenting journey is different. And even if you have multiple children in your family, those children are probably different. They're not exactly the same. And so figuring out, okay, we, our first child, maybe we figured out what we were doing, and then the second one comes along and they're totally different. And then if there's more multiples after that, good luck, you know? We're all figuring it out. What's next? It's a question of curiosity and opportunity. And it is stressful. 
We have no idea maybe where we're going or what we'll do when we get there. Sometimes we only know we just can't stay here. We can't stay still. Life is changing. We are adapting. And we're going to figure out what's next maybe one step at a time, maybe even one baby step at a time. The book of Deuteronomy is the last book of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And within the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, we learn about the beginning of creation. And then we learn about the beginning of a people called Israel and how God called them and set them apart. We learn about how these Israelites, the people of Israel, um, became enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. We learn that God did not forget the people, that God continued to hear their cries, and that God delivered them from slavery and brought them to freedom. Deuteronomy ends um, with the Israelites still in the wilderness. They've been freed from slavery, and they've been wandering for like 40 years in the wilderness. And they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. In fact, they can just see it. It's just over the ridge. They're almost there. They've been led by a man named Moses. Moses has been their intercessor. He's uh, gone to God on behalf of the people. And he's brought back messages and instructions and commands for the people. And Moses will not be joining the people in the promised land. Moses is old, and he ends up dying in the wilderness. He doesn't cross over into kind of their final hoped-for, anticipated destination. The book of Deuteronomy is a collection, a compilation of Moses' last words to the people of Israel, saying, I can't go with you into the future. I can't go with you into the next steps. And so here are some things I want you to remember. I want you to know. Here are some instructions, some commands I want you to, to carry with you, to have in your heart. Moses, he senses kind of the, the joy and the celebration and kind of the relief. Like, finally, we're going to be in the promised land. But he also knows that this, the people are scared. And so how Moses instructs the people for what is next, he gives them a series of instructions saying, do not forget, remember. Moses says to the Israelites, do not forget all of the commands or instructions that God has given you. Remember how God gave us these instructions we were, when we were at Mount Sinai? Well, guess what, they still apply. They still apply when you enter the promised land. Follow God's instructions and life will be longer and better for you. Follow God's instructions and life can be more than you ever thought it could be. Moses tells the people, do not forget. Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your strength. These verses make up the Shema in Hebrew, which is a daily Jewish prayer. 
that reminds the people to listen to the one and only God. Shema is literally the Hebrew word for listen. And so when you think about Israel, listen, that's where that comes from. It's almost as if Moses is saying, listen up, people. Listen up. Don't forget to love God with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Rachel Held Evans says this of the Shema. She says, the Shema offers a steady reminder. God is in all things. But if this were easy to remember, and if this path were painless, and if this journey were easy, and if loving God or even just recognizing God weren't so counterintuitive, why exactly would you need all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might? If loving God were easy, why would we need our hearts and our souls and our mites and our bodies? Moses essentially says to the people, listen, don't forget to love God. When life gets hard, when you are scared, when you are uncertain, when you're not sure of what is next, don't forget to love God. To love God with your heart, the source of your life and of your being, for much of human history, people thought like the heart was, uh, was where like your brain was. And if you think about that, it kind of makes sense because your heart beats. You can hear it. You can feel it. You know something is happening here. And so the heart was seen as the source of, of emotion, but also our thoughts. We didn't really know that our brains were up here. And that's really where some of our thinking comes from. So loving God with your heart, loving God with your emotions, loving God with your mind, loving God from the uniqueness that each one of us is created to be. That the way you love God may be different from the way that I love God. But to love God with our whole selves, to show up as the unique people of God, with whatever you bring to the table, with whatever unique gifts you bring to the world, and saying, this is how I can love God, with my being, with my soul. We love God often with the strength of our bodies and the force of our wills. When life is hard and faith seems impossible, sometimes trusting God, sometimes is like a mental exercise, <laughs> or a feat of physical endurance. We have to decide we're gonna do it. I'm going to love God today, I'm gonna to trust God today, even though I may not feel it, even if I'm not sure if God is here. I'm gonna make this choice to love. Moses continues on, he says, do not forget that loving God is to be part of your everyday lives. It's not just one segment of your life, but it's supposed to be 
something that you do from the moment you wake up all throughout the day to the moment that you lay down at night. Loving God should be part of our conversations, the conversations we have in our homes and out in the world. Loving God should be something that we teach to children, to the next generations, to those who are coming along behind us. Moses says, you know, if if you're having trouble remembering to love God, write yourself a note. Well, maybe it's not a post-it note, but write it so that it's almost like part of your body, that it's carried with you wherever you go, almost as if it was like a bracelet or somehow attached to your wrist or maybe even tattooed on your forehead. Write it so that you'll remember it. Write it and put it out in places where you may see it, in your homes and in your doorposts and out into the world where you can look and see reminders and signs of God's presence. Reminders and signs to love God. Moses says, don't forget to love God when you enter into the promised land, into the land of whatever is next for you. Loving God isn't just something that the Israelites were to do in the wilderness. Loving God isn't just something that we do in youth group. Loving God isn't just something that we do when we're at church. But wherever we go, whatever is next, loving God goes with us. Don't forget to love God when you are enjoying the fruit of other people's labors. Sometimes when we think about the Israelites going into the promised land, um, we often forget that there were other people living there. And it can be a little problematic when you're reading Joshua and Judges and hearing about the people of Israel and how they um, took over the land and how uh, they made the promised land their home. But where they entered into, it wasn't just empty. (laughs) There were civilizations, there were towns, there were cities, there were farms, there were plants that were already growing food and produce for them to eat. There was already milk and honey waiting for them. And God says, and God through Moses says to the people, don't forget that there are those who've gone before you, who've kind of helped pave the way for you to enjoy the life that you have now, for you to enjoy the blessings that you have now. There are people who've worked hard so that you can receive and perhaps leave a blessing for those who are coming along behind you. Not only is it holistic within our own bodies to love God, but I think this instruction is also kind of communal. And how we love God is that it's not just about me, but it's about the other people I'm in community with. It's about maybe the people in my family, the people in my very household, or the people in my dorm, or the people who are younger than me, who are kind of following in my example. Don't forget that we're part of a bigger chain. Moses says, don't forget God and all that God has done for you up until this point. 
Don't forget how God has freed you from slavery to sin and death. And don't forget the new life that God makes possible for you. Savannah used this prayer from Walter Brueggemann. And he says this, The commandments of Sinai are always grounded in the surprise of liberation from Egypt. If one does not believe in the surprise of liberation, then the endless multiplication of commandments from Sinai is silly. For more commandments without the foundation of the Exodus story will never create a community of well-being. Don't forget to love God because God has freed you. Freed you from slavery, from sin, from death. God has freed you so that you can live a good and abundant life. Those instructions are not just a list of rules for you to follow. These instructions are an invitation for you to live the abundant good life that God has for each and every one of us. And finally, don't forget who you are. As my parents would say, don't forget whose you are. Don't forget that you are God's people. That no matter what comes next, do not forget God's love for you and God's faithfulness for you. Rachel Held Evans remarks, we don't tend to think of law as liberating. But for the people of Israel, these divine instructions helped forge a unique national identity, one wholly distinct from the cultures around them, including the Egyptian empire that for so long oppressed them. It reminded them too that the God who parted the Red Sea and who conquered Pharaoh's armies was sticking around for the long haul. This is not a God who liberates and then leaves. This is a God who walks with people through the desert and a cloud of smoke and fire and who literally sets up camp with them in the form of a traveling tabernacle. This is a God who cares about every detail of their new life together, right down to the management of their oxen. Deliverance, it seems, is not just a one-time deal. During life's transitions, these words from Deuteronomy are still relevant for us today. In the excitement and the uncertainty of what's next, do not forget to love God. For God is the one who has worked for your freedom and for your well-being in the past. And this God is the God who is working even now in this moment. And it's the same God who will be with you in the future and who will work for you in the future. To our high school graduates, it's convenient that you're all kind of in the same area. You are completing a significant chapter in your lives. You are embarking on adulthood, hashtag adulting. It's real fun. You will now be taking responsibility for your own lives. The adults in your lives have loved you and taught you. And now it's your turn to decide whether you're going to choose to put into practice 
all that you have learned over the years or to ignore it in favor of what you want to do. <laughs> Your decision to continue to believe in God and to live in a relationship with God has been your decision since confirmation. But pretty soon, it will be entirely up to you. You may not have a parent waking you up and reminding you, it's time to go to church on Sunday, or it's time to go to youth group. You may be living with people who don't want to have any part of a faith community. And when you move to a new place, sometimes it can be hard to find a new faith community, to make new friends, to find a church, or other people of faith that you can surround yourself with. In the midst of all of that, do not forget that God has been with you throughout your entire life, and God will continue to be with you. Do not forget that you are God's beloved child. God has loved you. God loves you now. God will always love you. And it's your choice how you want to love God in return. And to the rest of us here. Life can be hard, no matter the life transition, the life stage we find ourselves in. We get distracted with our to-do lists. We forget how God has set us free for new and abundant life. We cling to old patterns and to old uh, rhythms. Perhaps we even cling to old grievances. I'm reminded of words from one of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount. And this hymn says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Each and every one of us are prone to wander, <laughs> prone to leave the God we love. And so every day we have the opportunity to give our hearts back to God and say, here, God, here's my heart. Take it, receive it, seal it. Bind me to you. Tattoo your instructions on my heart and on my mind. Bind me to you so that I can live in the goodness of your love, now and forevermore. And so, my friends, what's next? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you are faithful even when we are not. You never leave us or forsake us, even when we wander. And so, Lord, speak to us today. Call us by name. 
help to get our attention so that we may return to you, so that we may love you with our whole heart and with our whole soul and our whole strength, so that we can also love your people through our words and our actions and our everyday lives. God, call us back to the land of your goodness, to the abundant life that you have for us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.